Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. I want to thank you for being here with us in worship today, uh, Garfield Memorial Church. I'm Chip Freed, the lead teaching pastor. Wow, I, I am stuck with something the band sang uh, before we entered into this time. Sing a little louder. You know, I, I think the people of God, we need to sing a little louder right now. We need to let our praise and our thanksgiving to God just drown out the noise of the world. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that praise is our protest against the suffering of the world. Will you sing a little louder today? Will you stand up and do that? I I, I think that's what we need to do. We're entering this teaching series called Church at Home. The at sign like a website. Why are we doing this? One, um, we know God didn't bring a pandemic. I don't believe God brought plagues in the early centuries that that uh, killed so many people when we, when we read the early Christian testimony. But God worked through those. Christians in the early plagues, if you read Rodney Stark's Rise of Christianity, you will find out one of the reasons Christianity exploded on the planet was Christians, people who believed in Jesus Christ, during the plagues, when these things came into the cities that were killing millions of people and people fled, even leaving their own, hand, their own family members, Christians stayed behind. And they ministered to people who were persecuting them. And eventually people said, wow, I mean, if they're so selfless like that, there must be something true about this. That's what I want the church to be right now. A selfless witness that we are going to Sing a little louder than, than, the, than the hate and the hurtfulness of the world. So we're at church at home. It's kind of, God is, to me, he didn't bring the pandemic. But Jesus is working through this. We, we say, Romans eight twenty eight, in all things, that's the right translation, in all things, God is working for good on behalf of those who love. I mean, not that God doesn't will it, but he works through it. And here's what God is doing in this pandemic. He's reminding us that the church is not a building. The church is not an institution. The church is a people who are alive, who are singing louder than the hurts of the world, who are saying, my God, you know, Jesus will return, that there is good news, that God is in charge of history. That's what the church is. And unfortunately, we, we kind of institutionalized it. There was nothing wrong with that in some ways. that we It says in Acts 2, people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and went to the temple. The problem was, as we ignored what the Word of God says in Acts, that God does not live in a house of stone. When Israel was taken into captivity in Babylon... People thought God was dead. Read the Psalms. They said, how can we even sing anymore? 
because they believe God lived in Jerusalem. But if you go to our heritage service online, you go there last week, it, the choir sang a great song. It was an old spiritual called Ezekiel Saw the Wheel. And what it was, was Ezekiel saw a vision in exile that the, the temple was on wheels. God is mobile. God is not, he's not hostage to any institution or any denomination. God is at work in the world. That's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ says. God is alive. And here's the deal. He's in your home right now. He's with you, right? We're going to go into Christmas this year, and all of us, we're going we're to focus on that word, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In fact, if you read that in the original Greek, it actually says God is still with us. God is persevering. God is with us. God is mobile. God is involved. So we're going to celebrate church at home. And I want to ground us today in a little manual. Every week this, this, uh, this season, as we go with this series, we're going to ask you to do something. And today, Pastor Kurt's going to put in the chat out there, um, we want you to go to our website. Right now, if you go to our website, garfieldchurch.org, and you click the, the homepage, we, we had a COVID-19 update. Right now, it's a church at home update. You can go there, you can click it, and the, we're going to have something for you to do every week. This week, download your manual. I'm going to read it in a minute. Download your church manual on how to do church at home. See, the early church was in homes. I don't know if you realize that. When Paul planted so many churches, they were house churches. They were meeting in homes. And we turned it into this kind of museum that we go visit once a week and then leave it. But that was never what, what the movement of the church was supposed to be. It was supposed to be that we would be living this out right in our kitchens, on our bedrooms, in our dining rooms. That's what we want you to do. We're going to practice this. Because I got new, good news for you folks. This pandemic will end. But God will not. And us living out our journey of discipleship right where we are. I mean, God didn't just say, come and see me in a museum. He said, live with me. Breathe. Paul said, in him in whom we live and move and have our being. We want you to walk through this. We want you to do church at home. So so we're going to give you a little manual. I'm going to read to you from... uh, the letter Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, the Thessalonian church. Now, you, you're sitting there saying, wait, I don't know that scripture real well. Well, you don't, because people talk about Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians. We don't read Thessalonians that much, but we should. Would it surprise you to know that the letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians was the earliest writing in the entire New Testament? If we were to read the Bible chronologically, we wouldn't start at Matthew. We'd start at Thessalonians. It was, the early, it was written in about 51 uh, AD or CE, how you count that. It was written actually before the Gospel of Mark, which is the oldest historical document we have. This is baseline Christianity. In it, Paul basically says, this is how the Christian community should be. This is how you should do church at home. That's what he says. In fact, we know in Corinthians 13, you've heard it read, 
1 Corinthians 13. It's called the love chapter. You've heard it read at weddings. It has nothing to do with a wedding. It's okay to read there, but was talking about the Christian life. And it says everything in our lives should be reduced to three things. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest disease are love. And look what Paul says in, in Thessalonians. He says at the very beginning of it, he says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. This is baseline Christianity, faith, hope, and love. This is who we are, right? And, and, and we get in this what one scholar said, our earliest evidence that we possess for even the existence of Christianity. This is baseline material. And Paul says that love, incarnate love, should be the feature of our community. Now I'm going to read to you what he says at the very end of his letter. He basically says, in fact, some scholars call it a grocery list. And I don't know if you've ever gone to the grocery store. My wife texts me and it's like, I always forget something. Do you ever know that? Like I come home, oh gosh, I forgot this. Why? Because we just kind of run through it. Paul says, don't run through this. It's a grocery list, but all this is important. Let's read it together. This is at the end. He says, therefore, encourage one another. Build up each other. Wow, do we need that right now? Build up, right? As indeed you're doing, we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish, I want to look at that word, admonish, admonish you, esteem them very highly. We need to esteem people. We're we're so busy right now in tearing people down. But God highly esteems us. Do you know what God says to us? It's what he said to Jesus at baptism. You are my beloved child. With you I'm well pleased. That's the word esteem. I take esteem and you esteem people highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. How many need that right now in your home, right? And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to all. Here it comes. Here's the grocery list. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise words of the prophet, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body This is all of you, friends. May your spirit, your soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. One scholar says what Paul is doing here at the very end of uh, Thessalonians is reconfirmation. See, in the Methodist church, we're just this little kind of corner of God's kingdom. We practice something called confirmation. Uh, Flora Mark, Pastor Terry lifted her up. I don't know, Flora, you're the star today. 
but she led a confirmation class in the spring. I think we had 22 young adults went through confirmation. What is that? What it is is in the Methodist church, we allow baptism for anybody, uh, young, old, teenagers, whatever, because John Wesley believed that the Holy Spirit is at work in all of us. And when families came to the apostles in the book of Acts, they baptized the whole family. We allow that, but we know infants or toddlers, they can't make a confession for themselves. So the parents make that confession. Uh, On behalf of my children, my wife and I stood up and we said, we will raise these kids in the faith. Now, we don't believe in purgatory or unbaptized kids. We don't believe in that. But we, we just celebrate baptism. But we provide a time for young people who've been baptized as a toddler, as an infant, to confirm that. To say, I know my parents put me forward, but now I confirm it, right? That's what confirmation is. Reconfirmation, Paul says, is something that should happen all the time. We should be reconfirming our faith. Friends, I'm going to tell you right now, if the pandemic has taught you nothing, we need to reconfirm our faith. Faith. I needed to come into that. I needed this worship. I, I, I texted Pastor Lori early this morning say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm tottering a little bit. I came in today. I raised my hallelujah, right? I said God is good. I reconfirmed what I already know about God. We need to do that over and over again. And that's why Paul says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. People think, what does that mean to pray without ceasing? Like, oh, do I just have to sit there and be in a corner room? No. People say to me, hey, Pastor Chip, will you pray for me? And I can look them in the eyes and say, I'm praying for you right now. Because we're in a, we're in a situation of prayer. We're in a situation of thanksgiving. We're in a situation of rejoicing. Okay? And Paul, it, Paul singles out three groups of people. I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to give you your manual. Okay? Three groups of people. And I want you to be honest. I'm being honest today. I'm confessing my own brokenness. Where do we find ourselves in this group? Or where do we see this group? Okay, because Paul identifies what he calls the idlers, what he calls the faint-hearted, and what he calls the weak. Okay, the idlers. What are the idlers? He says, admonish the idlers. What does that mean? In the Greek, that term idlers means... A sentry, you guys know a a military guard, who's left their post. Someone who should be on guard, but has kind of fallen away, right? Fallen asleep, fallen lax. That's why Paul says in Romans, now is the time for you to wake from sleep. Be honest, folks. How many of us have fallen asleep sometimes? I mean, we're supposed to be on guard. We're waiting for the coming of Christ. We're trying to be attentive, but we just get a little lax. This time does that to us. So if you've fallen a little bit lax, you're not worshiping every week, it's kind of, okay, Dre gets up here and says, God is good, but I'm like, I'm not sure if he is. I mean, that's natural. It's flesh. But how many of you are pushing through and saying, God, I admonish myself, right? Admonish, that word, we, we think about that word. The word admonish um, one part of it literally means to rebuke heartfully, right? Like, like that's what preachers do very good, don't they? They admonish. Christians admonish. But do you know that the word admonish also means to be patient? 
to urge people gently, right? To encourage them into new action, right? That, that's part of what our role is. You know, that, that, that we're, we're, we're not just reprimanded, we're admonished, we're encouraged. It says to, one of the, the Greeks says to warn people, hey, there's a cliff coming. If you hang out with that attitude, if you keep gossiping the way you're gossiping, if you do these kind of things, there's a cliff for that. So we just gently urge people back into the fold. You need that. I've become idle. You know a car when it's an idle? It's not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, the engine's running. Though it's not going anywhere. And when we become idle... When our engines are going, but our faith is not taking us anywhere. Do you know the word faith in the Greek was the word pistos, which is the word piston, which means in the Greek, like in the engine, a car, it's what makes it drive. And our faith sometimes gets stagnant or an idol. And the Bible says the best thing we can do with one another is admonish. When I texted Pastor Lori today, she admonished me. She didn't ridicule me, she didn't, but she sent me a text to encourage me. Do you know what encourage means? It means to put courage into people. And it says when people are an idol, let's get them going. When they're disruptive, let's bring them back to the mission. When they're not rowing in the same direction, let's get them back on board. We need to be the people of God rowing I, I, and you say, well, watch it. Why do you say rowing the boat? That comes from Jonah. If you read the book of Jonah, Jonah knew that he had been disobedient to God. And he said to the people, and they were foreigners. They weren't his tribe. He said, throw me out in the waves. I'm, I, I've done wrong. And read that, read that section of your Bible. It says they refused to, for, to throw him over and they tried to row their boat to shore. What if we just rowed our boat together to try to get each other to shore? What if we stayed on the course of keeping ourselves on the mission instead of being idle, okay? The second thing, it says, uh, encourage the faint-hearted. That's the second one, the faint-hearted. Who are those people? Isaiah says it this way. Say to those who are of a faint heart, be strong and do not fear. So if we're an idol, we need to be kind of admonished. We need to be pushed. But if we're faint-hearted, if we're losing our courage, somebody needs to put courage into us, right? I'm working with a nutritionist lately. She's been helping me a lot. And she's teaching me on my eating habits or other things. She says, Chip, you can do this. We need people just put courage into us. Discouragement robs people of courage. Encouragement puts courage into you. Do you know they did a study on dogs? Now, I think we can learn a lot from dogs. I'm a dog owner. Do you know they says that one mother dog gives 27 licks, 27 affirmations for every one nip? Now, what if we did that? What if we operated that way to encourage people when we're faint of heart? I know you're faint of heart. I'm faint of heart. How do we put courage into one another? Paul says, admonish the idlers, get them back in the game. Give courage to the faint-hearted. And the last one is the weak. 
The weak are people who are exploited. The weak are people who are oppressed. The weak are people who are, gosh, we see these food lines right now on Thanksgiving. In the wealthiest nation in the world, we have people in food lines. And it is called for us as the people of God to stand with them. To bring what? Help. You know what help means in the Greek? It means help. (laughs) Like we help people. Like we intervene. John says it this way. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we need to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love not with words or speech, but with truth and actions. Friends, when people are weak, we need to help. So let's, let's, let's keep this on our radar. If you're in one of these categories right now, if you're idle, I admonish you. Get into worship every Sunday. I don't care. Wherever you are, in your home, get in there. If you're faint-hearted, and I've been there, we all are, hear courage. Hear Jesus say, take heart. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. If we're feeling weak, if we're, then you know what? Ask for help. Call the phone. Call us at the church. You can do it. We can help. I mean, we want to be together in this situation. Okay? So Paul says in his, in his teaching that there's kind of, I'm just going to give you this in general, and then we're going to download our church at home. I got mine. I hope you download yours. Okay, Kirk, get that in the chat. Go to our website, Church at Home. Okay, this is going to be our manual. Here's what Paul's saying we should do. One, we should live in grateful and unity. Unity and grateful relationships. You know, we should, we should be in unity together. One of my favorite passages, it's, it's so weird that I would like this passage, is John 21. This verse 2, look at this. After the resurrection, after Jesus died, it said, Simon Peter, like giving us all the names, Thomas, also known as Didymus, the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Look at that. We're together. It doesn't say they were together too. It doesn't say they were together for me. They were just together. Do you know the Bible holds a high value on us being together. Why do you think all this divisiveness is going on in our world, in politics, with, you know, with personalities? Why do you think that's happening? Because Satan wants to deprive us of being together. And guess what? We can be together, friends. Even in a pandemic, that's what we're doing. Church, we're together. That we know there's a togetherness. There's a unity there's a unity in understanding Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and, and that we're aligning ourselves with them. And we can give up politics and we can give up position and we can give up preference and we can give up prestige and we can give up power and we can give up privilege because he humbled himself taking on the form of a servant to lift us all up. I've said this many times. We play that game, King of the Hill right? We're up on top of the hill and we push others down. Jesus didn't play king of the hill. You know what Jesus played? King of the world. And he was willing to go down to lift us up. I pray 
that you will do that as we seek to be in unity and grateful relations together. I love what Paul says in Ephesians. He says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. From him, the whole body joined together, held by what? By every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Friends, what would we be like if we were a country, a church, a family right in your home? that our focus is to build ourselves up in love. So that's the first thing. Live in unity and grateful relations. Live in peace. That's the second thing. Paul says, be at peace among yourselves. How many of you want your home to be no drama zones? (laughs) Hello, right? Thanksgiving, we can't be together with our extended family. Christmas, we know it's coming. We just want drama-free zones. Paul says, I want this to be a place of peace. He says, as you build your home, your church at home, be at peace. He said, respect each other for your work, right? In the early, it's like respect those who labor among you. Yeah, that's, people say, well, that's pastors and bishops. Well, it is kind of, but in the early church, they didn't have any positions like that very early. It was just saying, respect everyone that's in your home, that you're trying to do the best you can, right? Parents, respect your kids. Kids, respect your parents. If you're alone, respect your friends. You call out the home. We're doing the best we know how right now. Somebody say amen to that. You are doing the best you know how right now. And what if we just respected that? What if we just honored that? What if we just say, you know, I know you're hanging in there the best you can. And we could live in peace When Jesus showed up after the resurrection, do you remember? He walked in, in John's gospel, walked through. What did he say to him? He didn't say, hey, how's your day? What's on TV? He said, peace be with you. And, you know, we're getting into that season of Christmas where we remember Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He's an almighty God. He's an everlasting father. Ready? And he's the prince of peace. We need peace and patience in our home. Would you pray that with me today? Martin Luther King Jr. talked about negative peace and positive peace. When there were riots way back in the day during civil rights, he said everybody, they want to solve the riots by creating what he called negative peace, which is just ending violence, right? He said the the absence of violence without dealing with the causes of violence is just negative peace. How many of you know in your relationships when you have a negative peace, like, like my wife and I, we've been married three decades, right? And when we have a fight and we're just over it, there's a neg- you know what that negative piece is? Like, you're just not arguing, but there's still tension. Come on. How about you with your kids? They're in timeout, but there's still ken- tension. King said, we don't want negative peace. We want positive peace. And what he said about positive peace is injecting love and justice and hope into that situation inject, inject these things that Paul talks about into your church at home. 
The good news is you don't have to invoke God's presence. I hate that when people say, Pastor Fareed, would you give the invocation? I can't invoke God's presence. But you know what I can do? I can acknowledge God's presence. All right? I can, I can, I can share that. So, so let's live in peace. And finally, let's, uh, let, let's let our churches, our places be a, a place of, of love and encouragement. You know what Robert Frost the great poet said about our homes. He said, home is a place when you have to go there, they have to take you in. What if we all lived in the home of the prodigal father who stood on the porch and waited for you and I in our attitudes, in our confusion, to just come home? I pray that your home would be a place of just unconditional, unconditional love, right? Unconditional love and forgiveness. Indiscriminate grace is what uh, Brennan Manning, a great person, uh, once said. Uh, Shakespeare said, love is a place that's just indiscriminate, that we just love each other. I mean, we need that place, that safe place, don't you? I do. Let's let our homes be that. So I'm going I'm to ask you to close. We're going to download our little church manual, right? And here's the things I want you to be. May our church at home be a place of encouragement and building up. I don't know if you plan on doing any renovating in your home, but whether it's physical, I want you to do it. Repaint, restore, renovate. We're always under construction, right? May your church at home be a place of unconditional love, right? That we will be that place of encouragement and love and esteem, that our church and home, three things, will be a place of patience and peace. Work on that. May our church and homes be a place of prayer. Jesus said, I thought I would find a house of prayer for all nations. But instead, I found you quibbling about so many things. Would you invite God into the mundane things in your life this holiday? You know, we're separate. We invite God in through prayer. And finally... May your church be a home of worship. I'm going to preach on that next week. I want your homes to be a place of worship. I want worship to break out in your home. You say, well, what does that mean? That means you are going to acknowledge that God is at work in the midst of your home. Brother Lawrence was an amazing, amazing monk. And he said that we are to practice the presence of God. He started practicing the presence of God when he washed pots, when he, when he uh, uh, you know, made a, made a meal, he said, God, you and I are doing this together. My wife and I have been walking a lot during this pandemic. We go up to Acacia and we take some walks. You know, the other day, my wife, she wasn't able to go with me. And I felt like, oh, I'm all alone. You know what I said? I got out of my car and said, hey, God, let's take a walk together. And I spent 30 minutes talking to God, walking with him. Look what Brother Lawrence said. He said it this way. He said, uh, as often as I could, I placed myself as a worshiper. Think about that. Placed myself as a worshiper before God, fixing my mind upon his presence, recalling it when I found myself wandering. This proved to be an exercise that's sometimes difficult, yet I persisted. Will you persist? This Thanksgiving, this Christmas, these holidays, this New Year, will you persist in your homes? Would you make your place a place of worship? Will we acknowledge the best news? God 
is Emmanuel with us. I pray you'll do that. Let's jump in next week and I'm going to teach about building a tabernacle in your home. In the meantime, follow the manual, download it, put it up on your doors. You know our Jewish brothers and sisters, they have something they call a Methuselah. If you've ever seen it, a Methuselah is the law right here. This is an example. They put the law, the Deuteronomy in a, a little thing and they put it on their doors. And it comes from Deuteronomy 6 which talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Watch, impress it on your children. Talk about it when you sit at home and you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the doorposts of your home. Would you take this? Pastor Lori's going to pray over this. Every week we're going to give you church at homework. Okay? And some of you parents are going, oh my God. I got one of my worship pastors, Leah, behind me. She's going, you know, I got to teach my kids at home. Now the church is giving me homework. No, blessed homework, right? That we can take something that we can see each week. How do I want to acknowledge God's presence? Take this. Talk about as a family. Write it down. Put it a Methuselah. Put it up on your doorposts and say, we are going to acknowledge God. We're going to be church at home. You can do it. We can help. Pastor Lori, take us, pray over these commitments that we're going to make today. We ask in Jesus' name.